Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday. I am doing an episode today on applying to summer research programs. I decided to devote some time to this because um, my first guest speaker, Cecilia Caballero, mentioned summer programs when she was talking about her experiences navigating um, her time at UC Berkeley as an undergrad. And I thought to myself, wait, I haven't covered summer programs and my own students are applying to summer programs right now. I should probably talk about it before it gets to be too late to do it. And so I will definitely just share as much as I can about, you know, what they are, how to apply, when to apply, and, you know, what are the benefits. But before I do so, I'm going to get started with a listener review. This week's listener review comes from Jesse VP. So that's um, J-E-S-S-I-V-P. And this person says, as someone who is Latina, first generation, low income, and has been recently been admitted to graduate school, I'm so glad to have found this podcast. Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu is not only knowledgeable about the resources available to those considering applying or going to graduate school, but she is super relatable as well. I definitely recommend listening to this podcast. Wow, I absolutely love this comment. Um, I appreciate you so much, Jesse VP. Uh, it means a lot to me that you, you know, spent your time leaving me this detailed comment. So uh, thank you again for listening. And um, because you left me a review, you get to choose one of four things. I know you said you actually have already been admitted to grad school. So I'm thinking I can just... If you email me, I can send you a copy of the self-care and stress management PowerPoint. Unless you're interested in one of the other three things that I am giving away for free to my listener reviews. So choose one. It can be what I mentioned, the self-care PowerPoint or a CV template or a grad school list template on Excel or a statement of purpose pre-writing handout. Not that you necessarily need that since you're in grad school already, but who knows, maybe um, maybe you still want to review that. So please contact me and I'll gladly share one of those resources with you. Okay, now on to today's topic, summer programs. So why, what are summer programs? Summer programs are six to 10 week research programs that are available to undergraduates, uh, typically um, as early as your freshman, sophomore, but more often your junior year. They tend to be six to 10 weeks long. The deadlines for summer programs range anywhere from January to April. So technically right now we're in the thick of it. We're right in the middle of when deadlines are coming up. A lot of deadlines our end of February uh, and um, some anytime in March. Some go as late as April again, but more often a lot of them are in March. 
So if you realize just now, oh my goodness, I should probably look into summer research programs. You want to look at it as soon as you can. Reach out to recommenders for summer programs. You usually need two letters of rec, so reach out to them soon. Give them at least a two-week heads up to write you a letter and start drafting your statements. So summer programs... They provide independent research experience. They have workshops, seminars. Some of them even include GRE prep as part of their curriculum, which is nice. So why apply? You can apply for a number of reasons. Summer programs allow you an opportunity to expand your network, your resources, your opportunities. You have a new intellectual experience and challenge. It makes you more competitive and as a grad school applicant. Why? Because it shows that you're comfortable going outside of your comfort zone. You're going to another institution, meeting new people, learning new methods. You get a letter of rec from someone outside of your institution, which looks really good. You get an extra research experience. Again, looks really good. Um, you get these programs provide travel and funding for you to go there. And it also gives you a preview of what it's like to live um, out of state. If like a lot of my students are California students, so we encourage them to apply to a summer programs outside of California. So that way they can kind of figure out like what, what it would be like to move somewhere else and to live somewhere else. Even if it's only for six to 10 weeks, it's really good experience to test out the waters. Okay, so some things to consider. Um, you definitely want to apply to summer programs at schools that you would seriously consider for graduate school. Why? Because if you get a letter of rec from a professor at that school and then you go on and apply to that school, you're going to have a stronger chance of getting in. So you want it to be at a school that you're excited about. You want to take a look at the location. Um, so it's not just, oh, this is a top-ranked program, but also, like, can I imagine myself being there? Is this location... Um, viable? Is it a safe for me to be there? Um, take a look at the dates and the length of the program. One thing that comes up for my students a lot is that they stress out because a lot of these summer programs are on the semester system and they get started uh, around the 10th week, which is we call that dead week, which is the week before finals week, or sometimes they get started during finals week, which is very stressful for them because they have to move up all of their um, finals for the spring quarter and not all professors are as accommodating. In some cases, some professors will uh, work out so that their students can get their final proctored at the summer program location. So they'll work with a professor at the summer program to have them proctor their own exam there. So anyway, that's something that I say, take a look at that, but don't don't let that be the reason why you don't apply. Like you can worry about that later once you've been admitted. For now, try to apply to as many schools as you know that have summer programs as you're excited about because summer programs are very competitive. And so the more options you have, the better. Okay, what do these uh, summer program applications require? There's an online application where they ask you know basic um, information, personal info. They'll ask you for a cover letter or a statement of purpose. This is great because I tell my students, even if you apply to summer programs and you don't get in, you still get something out of it. And they say, wait, what? 
And I say, yes, you get the experience of having applied, having drafted a statement, and you can actually recycle that same statement of purpose for summer programs and use that for grad school. Um, same goes with a CV. They ask for a CV. You can reuse it, just update it, add whatever you've done, and you know, use it for grad school too. They ask for transcripts, and they also ask, again, typically they ask for two letters of recommendation. Some of the popular summer programs are the ones that Cecilia mentioned last time. She mentioned the Leadership Alliance. Uh, she mentioned uh, the SROP program, Summer Research Opportunity Programs. Um, uh, and then she also mentioned, what was it, the IRT, the Institute for Recruitment of Teachers. I believe that's what it is. Let's see, IRT. I don't want to give you the wrong information. Yeah, it is the Institute for Recruitment of Teachers. That's another one. And then in addition to that, you should check out the Big Ten Alliance. If you Google Big Ten Alliance Summer Programs, you will find a list. So Leadership Alliance and Big Ten, what they do is they it's a portal where you can apply to multiple summer programs through one uh, online portal. And that's really nice because instead of applying to eight different individual programs, you're applying to eight within, you know, let's say it's eight, but it's probably more like four or five in one portal. Sometimes some institutions will ask you to submit a supplemental application directly to them, but you can find that out by just checking out the Big Ten or the Leadership Alliance website and seeing if they require a supplemental application. Another place to check that's really common, and it's actually, believe it or not, they have several different programs, not just STEM programs, is the National Science Foundation. Um, they have a, a database of research experiences for undergraduates of REU programs, and you can go into the database and... Um, select programs based on your field. So though you can choose your major and they do have social science programs there too. So definitely check that out. And the NSF database is actually one of the largest databases I've seen of summer programs. And then of course you can also look individually by looking up universities that you're interested in. Uh, so those are university specific programs. So I, if I were you, I would Google, let's say you really want to go to um, Brandeis University. You look up Brandeis and you just say Brandeis SROP, Brandeis Summer Program in Chemistry, or Brandeis Summer Program in English or whatever it is and see what they have. Sometimes you'll run into internal summer programs that are only for their students, but every once in a while you'll, you'll find other summer programs. Like I believe I saw one that was like a summer program that was a, an REU, Research Experience for Undergraduates, in math, just by Googling that university. Okay, so those are the types of summer programs. There's Big Ten, which again, is, well, it's an alliance of, multi, of 10 academic universities. And Big Ten is great because they intentionally want to recruit underrepresented, quote-unquote, underrepresented students who pursue graduate stu study and research careers. So they're preparing underrepresented students 
through intensive experience, research experiences with faculty mentors and through enrichment activities. And the Leadership Alliance is also great because they're providing undergrads with training and mentoring in the principles underlying the conduct of research and prepares them to pursue competitive applications to PhD or MD PhD programs. So that's interesting because they also include MD joint MD-PhD programs. Uh, as for the NSF REUs, so the National Science Foundation funds a large number of research opportunities at specific institutions. The way that they do this is a professor decides they wanna you know, organize a summer program, they apply for NSF funding, they get the grant, and then they keep the grant for as long as, you know, sometimes it's two, three years. And then they have to reapply to get the grant again. And so just because there's a summer program at an institution one year, they have an REU, you can't safely, you can't safely assume that they're going to have it the next year. It's always best to double check. But again, NSF has a lot of funding. They provide grants to a lot of institutions in a wide range of fields. Again, it's not just STEM fields. It includes social sciences we have several REU programs at our institution. In fact, we have uh, an English one. We have a linguistics one. We have a philosophy one. And then we also have like the STEM ones, like chemistry and math. And I think that's all I can remember off the top of my head. But we have several REU programs just at UCSB alone. So check it out. Um, if you're looking at specific institutions, look up to see if they have an SROP program or an NSFREU program. Uh, odds are you'll find something. And let's see, what else do I wanna point out about summer programs? With summer programs, I can't stress enough uh, trying to stay organized. So it's it's actually, in my opinion, and I hope this doesn't intimidate you, but in my opinion, it's actually harder to apply and get into summer programs than it is to apply and get into graduate school. Why? Because summer program applications range, the deadlines are all over the map. So you can have some deadlines in January, some February, March, April. So it's really hard to really focus on just working on all of them and getting them done when the dates are sporadic. Uh, just like the dates are sporadic, the time that you find out if you've been admitted is also sporadic. It's You could find out at any point in time, and you maybe found out about one program, and then they tell you, this is what's frustrating. A lot of my students who get into summer programs, they get an acceptance letter, and then they say, please, please confirm that you are going to participate in the summer program within the next 48 hours. And that's so frustrating because they haven't heard from any other programs. And all of a sudden, this one this one that said yes is asking for you to confirm and um, say yes before you've heard from anywhere else. And then what happens is then they'll, they will confirm. And then three weeks later, they'll hear from another program. And they've got a dilemma. You see what I mean? So that's, that's hard. The other thing that makes it hard is that, you know, Whereas for grad school applications, you're looking at specific faculty to work with so that you can tailor your application and mention them in your statements. 
for summer programs, you don't really know who's around in the summer. Sometimes, uh, you know, professors are on sabbatical, they're doing field research, they're on vacation. Summer, you never know who's actually around. So sometimes the most competitive students with excellent profiles don't get into a single summer program because they couldn't find a professor to match them with for the summer. And why am I saying this? I'm just telling you because if you actually survive the process of applying to multiple summer programs, and I recommend applying to four to six summer programs. So for grad schools, I say eight to 12, but for summer programs, four to six, and make sure at least one of them includes the Big Ten or the Leadership Alliance, because then you're applying to multiple in one. So in actuality, you'll be applying to more than four to six programs, if you get me. And, um, and then if you don't get in, again, it's not a waste of time. Your recommenders have drafted a letter for you, which means that it'll be easier for them to write you a letter for grad school. They've already said yes for summer programs. They're not going to say no for grad school because they've already drafted one that they're essentially going to reuse and just add to later on. So it helps you with your recommenders. It helps you with your drafts for, for grad school because that essay you use for summer programs, you're going to be recycling. Um, so it's, it's, not a, a, it's not a waste of time. It's, and if you get in, then, then amazing. Then you're in a much better spot and you'll be much more competitive, have a higher chance of getting into grad school if you've done a summer program. Let me see. So I've covered, I've covered the benefits, what they are, some examples, how it's difficult. Oh, yeah. So... In some ways, once you've survived applying to summer programs, applying to grad school will, will be not easy per se, but much more feasible and approachable, less intimidating. Because at least with grad school apps, yes, you may be applying to 8 to 12, and that may seem like a lot to you, and you may be overwhelmed. But for grad schools, most PhD deadlines, they're due early, early to mid-December. December 1st, December 15th, and then you're done. And once you're done, you don't have to worry about it. So you just get them all done at the end of the fall term. And then you start to find out around the same time. It's not sporadic like the way it is for summer programs. And you have until April 15th to make a decision for every program. So you don't have to say yes early the way that you do for summer programs. So you'll apply in the fall. As I've mentioned before, you'll find out sometime between uh, early to mid to late February. So February is the month that you should start to find out about grad school admissions. And then you have time to go to some visitations if you've been admitted and then make a decision. So that's much more kind of, it's much, it's more spaced out. You um, can better detect and predict when you're going to hear or when you should do things and when you're going to hear back and when you're going to make a decision. So I strongly encourage you to apply to a summer program because it's just going to prepare you so well for grad school apps. That is all I want to say about that. And I think I am ready to close up the episode by sharing what am I going to share? Actually, before I do a shout out, I do have a listener question this week. And the question this week is from Carolina. 
via Instagram. Carolina says, I'm writing to ask if you could give advice or suggestions on creating a GRE study schedule. I'm a working madrista or maderista of two beautiful niños. It's hard to find the motivation or, uh, or even the fear of starting. I have done my research on five grad schools, all require the GRE exam to go to occupational therapy. I'd like to have my whole package completed before fall 2020 term. Yes, you should do that. I have my GRE books, the vocab app, but I'm still having jitters of taking the exam. I feel if I plan it into my schedule, it may help. But overall, I know que soy yo, que tengo miedo, o no, que tengo que ponerme las pilas. Also, I love your podcast. Thank you for all you do to guide us listeners. Oh, thank you, Carolina. Oh, my goodness, the GRE. I don't know if you've listened to my GRE episode, but I, I can't stress enough. Everybody hates the GRE. Nobody enjoys it. It's it's torture. It's torture to study for it. So I can, you know, empathize with you at like struggling to study. But I will tell you what we recommend or what I recommend to my students. So my students, because they're part of the McNair program, they do get to take a GRE prep course in the spring. And for those that don't, that for some reason can't take the GRE prep course in the springs, usually the students that are away studying abroad or doing some other like field work and they're not physically here on campus, is we encourage them to sign up for a um, an online GRE class. And I know it does cost money. Um, I actually, there's a website called Magoosh. Uh, I mean, just from pulling different sites, you know, there's Kaplan and Princeton Review and Magoosh. And so after like comparing sites, I found that the Magoosh website provides just as good material, but it's at a much steeper discount than any of the others. So you could get like a full six month, if I remember correctly, so don't quote me, look it up yourself, but you can probably get a six month online course for a hundred, a little over a hundred dollars, maybe $150, something like that versus Kaplan and Princeton Review that charge like, I don't know, 600 to a thousand dollars per course, which is insane. It's so much money. So I recommend, you know, check out, you know, the Magoosh site and all, uh, find out, you know, what you've already started to find some of the free resources with your vocab and you should have um, set goals of when you're going to take the exam so that then you can work backwards to out, you know, to figure out how much you have to study to prepare for the exam. Our students take their exam in June. And they start to take a course in, I believe it's April. It's at the beginning of uh, spring quarter. And it's seven weeks. And for those seven weeks, they do the, the classes two, two to three hours a week, seven weeks. And then in addition, they're doing, they're doing their homework, which is probably an additional two to three hours a week as well. So that ends up being six hours a week, which is about an hour a day. If you can try to do an hour a day, and if you're like me, you're probably going to try an hour a day, and then you're going to get caught up with your kids, and you're going to, you know, other things are going to get prioritized, and you're going to have to make it all up in one day. So what I would recommend is if you can't do an hour a day, then blocking out a big chunk of time when someone 
can take your kids away or you watch your kids at home and you can go to a coffee shop and study for those six hours straight. I know it's, it's always best practice to study every day, but if you have to cram it once a week, every week for seven to 10 weeks before you take the exam, then so be it. That's way better than not studying at all. So I recommend doing that. And actually, I would recommend for you to take your exam in June too. I know you said you want to get it all done by the fall. And the reason why I say take it in June, because then it gives you pressure. It doesn't feel so far away. And you just like, you can think about it this way. Like, oh, I'm going to start uh, the latest April 1st. That's when I'm going to start studying. You can start now if you want. That's great. But latest April 1st and from April 1st to early June, I'm going to be studying intensively. I have to do six hours a week. And how do you study? Um, so if you join, do the online course, follow the modules, of course, and, and do what they say and do your practice, DRE words. But I can't stress enough before you get started in studying, whatever it is that you're doing, you want to take a diagnostics test. Princeton Review, for instance, offers a free diagnostics test. That's when you find out, you take the exam for free to find out what your baseline score is. So you go through and it, you take it. It's a full three-hour exam. And after that, they'll tell you what you'll score. And it's good to know what your initial score is without studying because then you want to keep taking practice tests. So you don't want to just do homework. You have to take the test and take it multiple times because the hardest thing about that exam is not that you're not smart enough and you don't know the material. It's that a lot of people freak out. They get panic attacks or they lose time. They're just not accustomed to the exam style and how long it is that they get tripped up and psyched and they just, all of what they had studied kind of just goes away right then and there. And so the more that you can kind of get comfortable with the exam, the better. And then also why take it in June? So yes, you have more pressure because you're taking it earlier. Let's say you take it in June. So you have your baseline score and you take it in June and it's not, you, your, your score isn't that much higher than your baseline than what you got in your diagnostics. If that's the case, then it gives you a little bit more time to study and retake it. So what some of our students do is if they don't do well in June, then they study a little more and then they take it again in August or September for the second time. And you, and most people, to be honest with you, don't score that much higher the second time. Um, but, you know, a few people do um, score a few points more, which sometimes makes a difference, especially if you're at the cusp. If you're like at 139 going into the 140s, 149 going into the 150s, 159 going into the 160s it does make a difference to have that few extra points higher. Those are my recommendations. I'll tell you, I personally struggled with the GRE. I didn't get GRE prep. I couldn't find time as an undergrad to, to study enough, and I didn't score well on the exam. At the end of the day, I was still able to get into graduate school, so no matter what happens, don't be discouraged. Still take the test, get a score, and still go ahead and apply to graduate school. Thank you so much, Carolina. I hope that this helps. And now to wrap up the episode, I am going to give my shout out. And this week, the shout out is another Instagram account and it's called at Black Women PhDs. 
And I chose this account because it features Black women with PhDs and also PhD students. And I just feel like if you're a person of color, sometimes you just need a little bit of inspiration in your life. And it's just nice to see like other fierce Black women, women of color doing their thing, getting their PhDs. I know that that's something that's like uplifting for me. So it may be uplifting for you too. And if so, definitely check it out. Again, it's at Black Women PhDs on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you all next time. Have a lovely weekend. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram, sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at eventmartinezvu.com. Until next time.